Welcome back, episode three, the Braintainment Podcast. This is your host, Liam O'Donnell. Thank you again for joining us. I'm still super fucking pumped to be doing this, guys. i got to say, um, and I really hope that you stay with me on this journey and you're enjoying the first couple episodes of the Braintainment uh, Podcast. Hopefully, you're getting some value. Uh, the next few episodes, I'm going to try and add a little bit more of an entertainment element to it. I'm going to try and get some guests on. I'm going to fuck around, have some fun. Um, but of course, still deliver some value by way of information, education, inspiration, all that good stuff. But I want it to be tangible, right? I don't want to be. I don't want any of the stuff I share to be put in the esoteric basket where you can't apply it, where it's just wishful, quote unquote, positive thinking. Um, that's not what I'm about at all. I'm about seeing the world and our lives as it is. Not better than it is, but certainly not worse than it is, right? And I'm about optimizing brain chemistry. I'm about um, optimizing our activities, our habits, our routines, the people we bring into our world, our goals, all that stuff. I'm all about adjusting and pivoting and getting that stuff absolutely spot on so it maps towards optimal brain chemistry, right? We want lots of serotonin production, which is a feel-good calming hormone. We want a lot of dopamine in doses, I should say, um, because too much dopamine spikes can lead to withdrawals and a really nasty kind of residue, I suppose. We want to reduce cortisol where possible, which is a stress hormone. Uh, I mean, look, the science is crazy, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spend a whole episode one time soon just completely nerding the fuck out on that stuff to give you some more insight so you've got some context, context um, when I'm sharing about brain optimization, right? But anyway, just to bring it all back, that's a little bit more about what to expect in future episodes. But for now, this is episode three. I want to dive straight into it. And this is all about the life lessons continued. So, so far in the first two episodes, just from my perspective anyway, from 30 years walking this motherfucking earth, I, uh, I've i learned a lot. I know you guys have too. I've shared my 30 most valuable lessons into a little article I threw together on Medium, just kind of goofing around one day. And so that's kind of been the premise of these first few episodes of the podcast. Uh, I've already shared the first 15 on episodes one and two. So today we're going to look at the next 16 life lessons. I just want to expand a bit on those, share my thoughts, um, kind of just riff on them and hopefully give you some insights you haven't thought about yet. Or if you have, maybe hear it in a way that kind of hits home a little bit more than uh, last time you heard it. Because I want to I want to create some change and shift in the, in the world, I should say in your world, at least to some extent anyway, and just continue this conversation and our relationship together ongoing because uh, my goal is to add some value of course so you continue to listen and of course so that you improve your life experience in some way because ultimately I want everyone to be happy right I want everyone to be fulfilled and mapping towards their goals hope that sounds pretty cool for you guys so let's get stuck into it life lessons continued um, I hope you enjoy number 16 is where we kick off today um, and again this is just from my perspective so you might have your own life lessons you might even disagree with some of this stuff but this has been hugely valuable and it's really formed the foundational philosophy that I have today that just gives me a lot more strength, mental fortitude and stability that I need, particularly off the back of a lot of anxiety, depression, all kinds of mental illnesses that I've experienced on and off really over the last 10 years um, and a lot more heightened in the last five years since my brain injury. But anyway, I'm getting a little railroaded and off topic there. So lesson number 16 is this, the struggle is guaranteed, but the success is is not. Doesn't that sound exciting? Look, what I mean by that, guys, is this. Firstly, I think it's important to just remember, at least from my opinion, again, there's nothing more fulfilling 
than the, the pursuit of worthy goals, right? Progress does equal happiness. It's working towards something that's important to you and that feeling of pursuit is really exciting. I think there's a need for humans to map towards something every single day, whether that's in our fitness and health or our business, our career, our money, our relationships, uh, whatever it might be. But I think constant progress is huge. And so I think it's important to also filter that through the understanding that the struggle is guaranteed, the success is not. So we have to fall in love with the process is how I read that. Guys, goals, whether they're small or large, create a level of excitement, right? Releases dopamine um, and creates an acti the activation energy required to actually move you towards what you need to do. I touched on last episode, one of the life, le life lessons that procrastination happens when your lizard brain wants to chill more than your goals excite you. So having exciting goals is like almost the price of entry to create the activation energy to just get out and start moving. So we do need those. But I I need you to understand this. There's no guarantee that just because you want something, you will get it, even if you're taking consistent action. So my point here, my point here summed up is this. Fall in love with the process and make sure you're moving towards something that is actually fucking important to you. Right? Don't be stuck in a job or career that you hate just because you're chasing cash. Okay, we know the cliche that money doesn't buy happiness. Look, it is the great facilitator and creates a lot of opportunity, but ultimately it will leave you feeling miserable if that's all you're chasing, right? You should be chasing fulfillment and that comes from the pursuit of worthy, important goals that excite you, right? So step one in that process is to find things that actually interest you and then go after it with a vigor like no other. But the struggle is guaranteed, okay? You will struggle. You will find ups and downs throughout that journey. And just knowing that, kind of just protects you, I suppose, when you run into the inevitable challenges and avoids the overwhelm and the and the mental chatter with yourself going, what the fuck? I wasn't expecting this. This is too hard. It kind of helps alleviate that, I find anyway, when you already know going in that the struggle will be there. So embrace it, enjoy it, fall in love with it. Number seven, teen. <laughs> Be getting a bit rusty already. Uh, life lesson 17, momentum matters. I touched on this previously, but uh, one of... Isaac Newton's laws of physics of the fucking world is this. An object in motion will tend to stay in motion. An object at rest will tend to stay in rest, right? So your goal is to just avoid rest, essentially. Not not, not literally we need rest to recover and to recoup. Um, but in terms of momentum, we want to maintain, firstly create it and then maintain it like it's our best friend because it is in business, in health, in life, in relationships, right? As soon as you lose momentum in something, it's only too challenging to start it back up again. The activation energy required is a lot more than is the energy required to continue things when they're already in flow. And I know you know this, if you've ever started some sort of project, whether it's in your fitness, whether it's a business, a side hustle, um, you a budget, you're trying to get your money in order, you had some momentum, you got a little bit lazy, you lost it, the habit hadn't completely formed and it just dropped off and then you just kind of fell off because it's so hard to get back on again, right? So momentum, just be aware of it. It is your best friend. Momentum is huge. Life lesson 18 is to view failure as data, not destructive. Boy, I hope you all heard that. Look, some of us are better than others, but I know a lot have any sort of failure, ridicule, criticism, something doesn't go right, they fall short, they make a fool of themselves, and they're just completely fucking crushed. <sighs> I'm not making fun. I've got, I really do have empathy, and I still struggle with that. I still care about what people think to an extent, and I'm constantly putting pressure on myself. So I do, I, look, I am still fighting that battle of the inner dialogue that naturally arises when you fall short on something, particularly when it's important to you and, you've really, and you really have tried. 
But the key here, guys, the message I want you to take away is to view that just as data and to dissociate from it a little bit. Don't see it as such a personal attack, I suppose, on your ego uh, and on your worth, your identity. It's essentially data that you need to interpret and then use to adjust your approach until you get better. And it could simply be if you're working towards a goal, the real reality, listen in, is that perhaps right now and now being underlined twice, the operative word, you're just not good enough. And that's all it is right now. But you can improve. We know that humans are the ultimate adaptation machine. We are designed to adapt and to grow. Leverage that to your advantage and stay motivated. Stay excited by that concept. It is fucking true. So use failure simply as data. 19. Lesson 19 is to prioritize digital detoxes. Too much screen time and social media will fuck with you. Yeah, I really like that. Look, I love pop culture. I've said it a couple of times in this podcast series already. Movies, shows, things of that nature. One of my favorite things to do to rest and recover is to go to the movies by myself. I cop a lot of flack for it, but um, look, I am a social being. I have friends and family and I love connecting with them. But um, I fucking love just getting out by myself and just watching a quality movie, uh, which is why this whole corona situation is limiting me to my house with my housemate. I don't have that cinema experience. But anyway... Coming back to it, um, there's nothing wrong with a little bit of movie time and some TV shows here and there, or even social media flipping through and staying connected with your friends. I get it. But too much social media, firstly, comparison is the thief of joy. Such a cliche quote, but it's so true, right? So if you're contrasting your life to what's going on in someone else's world, um, simply by the photos and videos they share, we know that's a false narrative and it just creates an inaccurate reflection of what's going on in their world and and then ultimately creates an inaccurate inaccurate. Uh, reflection of the chasm between what's going on in your life experience and theirs. And that just leads to anxiety, frustration, and discontent. So that's just nasty. We want to avoid that. Also, just flicking through social media, you're becoming addicted to uh, to dopamine releases, right? So tomb- so the, the triggering dopamine response that you get, which is that kind of feel-good, immediate gratification when a notification comes through, when someone likes your stuff. I, this is one I find hard to talk about sometimes because I haven't found the right fucking words to articulate it clearly. But I'm not the anti-social media guy. I'm not, I, right? It serves its place. It really does. And I like goofing around on it sometimes when I'm bored. I get it. But I guess I'm just planning to see so you have some level of understanding. That dopamine spike that you do get, you become addicted to it. And ultimately, when you have some level of boredom, rather than using that as time to reflect, to meditate, to, to read, to learn, to exercise... The habit is to just default to social um, to get that quick fix, that release of dopamine, and that, that is problematic, okay? So that's one thing. Um, and also just the, the addiction to digital devices in general. fucks with our sleep. Um, it fucks with our circadian rhythms, so the natural cycle of waking up, going to bed, and then naturally that'll affect our hormonal balances. So... Yeah, look, just prioritize digital detoxes. So throughout the day, just be very aware of checking your phone if you don't need to. And where you can, even if it's on the weekend, spend a day or half a day with your phone away, your computer away. This has had a massive impact for me because I'm constantly on my laptop, running my business, um, often on my phone, connecting with people or firing back emails. Like, I get that it's challenging in today's world. I don't want you to put your life on hold, particularly if you're working towards goals that require, you know, a fucking computer or a phone. Um, But I promise you there'll be times where you can not rely on technology. So do that. Get out to nature. Life lesson 20 is this. Mental health issues are a pandemic. I don't want to share too much on this right now because um, I don't I don't want this topic to lose its importance. I almost want to just explore this deeply um, with someone that's... Um, uh, 
perhaps in a better position to discuss in detail. But uh, I know from myself anyway, just in my own journey, it's been extremely challenging at times battling a wide array of mental illnesses. And it's not about me, but the point I'm making is this. I, I, can, I know the pain of it. And just looking at the stats of how many people experience far often, more often than they should, um, similar kind of um, challenges, it just pains me. And the world needs to adapt and change. And I don't have all the answers for how that happens. But right now, I think it's important to at least acknowledge that it is a pandemic. We shouldn't have this much depression, this much anxiety, suicide rates, things of that nature. Uh, and look, I'm a positive guy. I'm an upbeat guy. Right? I want my vibe in this show to be... Um, a lighter one, but that is something I want to bring to your attention. Um, so we can just keep that conversation alive, alive at least at least a little bit, um, and just recognise that it is a pandemic, and that's something that I've really learned over the last thirty years. Lesson twenty-one, just to kind of bring it back to a more positive note, and it's around passion. Lesson twenty-one is that passion is a process; it's cultivated, it's not built or discovered. Right. I want to use another quote from uh, from Tom Pellew. Again, I'm just pinching it straight from him because he articulates so well. It's just such a sexy way to look at um, cultivating passion. The process of doing so, it is not an archaeological dig, but rather an architectural build. I'm just going to let you marinate in that for a bit. Cultivating a passion is not an archaeological dig. Okay, It's not about digging deep into your subconscious to find and discover your passion that's been lying dormant for all these years. You're not going to stumble across it one day in the bushes or find it under your pillow one morning. But rather, it is an architectural build, right? It starts from nothing and it is consciously designed and put together and built over time, right? It's essentially what that, that kind of metaphor represents. How we do that is threefold. It starts with an interest, right? So if you're, if you're someone who's wondering, what's my passion? I'm not sure what, what that is. Step one is, look, and this is a very, very, very brief um, snapshot of this process, but it's to start with your interest. Write down what you're interested in. I promise you there's something. It could be movies. It could be gaming. It could be exercise. It could be um, collecting garden gnomes. It could be brains research, like it is for me. It could be mental health and helping people that are struggling. It could be people that are struggling with other physiological conditions. It could be, who knows? The list goes on and on and on. But just write them down, things that you might be interested in. Then, step two is just pick one and to explore it, dive into it, all right, and fan those flames until it becomes either a fascination, which may very well happen, or you just might disregard it if you lose interest. And if you lose interest, that's okay. At least you know. But fan the flames into a fascination and continue over time, and I'm talking years, Years and years, fan those flames of the fascination into a passion. And the key ingredient here, guys, is consistency, but also to get good. It's to get mastery, right? So I can assure you, take this podcasting, for example. Um, I've made it pretty abundantly clear that I want to get better and better at doing this and delivering a message in a way that is powerful to you guys and, of course, entertaining, so it brings a level of joy and value to you simultaneously. And I'm just having a fucking rad time doing it, even if I'm just stuffing it up consistently over the first few episodes. I promise you one thing, if 100 episodes go by and I haven't gotten better, just naturally my passion, my quote-unquote passion, my fuel, my fire, will begin slowly to disintegrate. It just will, even though I am extremely interested and fascinated by that world of brain science and helping and contributing on the microphone like I am right now. So the key ingredient is I have to get better. I have to, get, I have to gain mastery for that passion to become um, 
kind of to its fruition, I suppose. So just keep that in mind when you're trying to cultivate your passion in life. Lesson 22, your past does not equal your future. Oh boy, is this true, and thank fuck for that. I know a lot can relate. Your past does not equal your future. Of course, it's not about blocking it out and sweeping it under the rug. It's not at all what I'm saying. Um, you know, if, if therapy and counseling and exploring things of your past might actually be beneficial, and I've done a lot of that in the past, so I'm not against that. My point is this. Simply take lessons from your past, right? Dis- meditation can help. Um, hardwiring the philosophy that we are the ultimate adaptation machine that we can change. Like all the, these things, these quotables that I constantly throw out um, in this podcast and on my social content and just any conversation you have with me is because I believe them to be true so fucking much. I've hardwired it into my nervous system to the point where um, things from my past just don't bother me as much as they once did because I believe so much in my ability to change that I don't associate my my identity with who I once was. Does that make sense? And I don't want that to become too kind of airy-fairy, like, you know, um, esoteric. I want it to be very, very tangible for you. You are not your past, okay? Lesson 23, I've already touched on this, but comparison is the thief of joy. It really is. Um, it's not about, you're running your own race. Again, that's a quotable cliche, um, but you really are. It doesn't mean you slack off. You know your potential, right? When you're slacking off and you're not working towards your potential, it creates a level of discontent naturally that you're just going to experience. And that's going to be your guiding light. That's going to be your judge, right? So be your own worst critic in a healthy way. I think 80% of the time spending the light, right? So the positive stuff, the feel good, the working towards your goals, all these quotables. Uh, and then 20% of the time in the darkness is okay. That's where you spend time. Not punishing, but I guess not not allowing yourself too much slack, right? Um, so 20% of the time in the darkness and leveraging it to your advantage is okay. Um, but being your own judge and critic in, the, in that manner, the 80-20 rule is the, is the way to go not contrasting against someone else. There could be different elements, experiences, factors that you just don't know what's going on, for better or for worse. So it's just an inaccurate comparison and it just serves you no purpose. It just creates um, indecision, creates overwhelm, gets you overthinking, um, and it's just pointless. So comparison is the thief of joy. Lesson 24, understand and leverage the parasympathetic nervous system versus the sympathetic nervous system, right? So the rest and digest, calm and creative, we want to spend the majority of our time there where possible as opposed to the sympathetic nervous system, which is the fight and flight. Now, the fight and flight is there for a reason, particularly back in the olden days, it was required when we need to run away or fight saber-toothed tigers and things of that nature. So they both serve a purpose. Even exercising intensely, sometimes it can be good to to be in that sympathetic response, but too much time spent there is ultimately what leads to anxiety. It leads to fatigue and like adrenal fatigue. It leads to a whole range of... Um, other physiological uh, challenges and diseases and things of that nature. So um, I just encourage you for now to dive into that world, research a little bit more and learn how you can spend more time in the parasympathetic nervous system and use that to your advantage. Lesson 25 is that no feeling is final. And thank God for that, right? We've all been up, we've all been down. We've all been really up and I'm sure we've all been really down. I know I have. Um, And it's important to recognize this concept, this philosophy in, in all of those examples, particularly obviously when you're feeling horrible, um, whether it's physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, just drained, fatigued, depressed, super anxious, whatever it is, you are not stuck in that moment. You're just not. Even if you can't um, emotionally internalize the reality that you will feel better in due time, whether it's an hour's time, two hours, a day, a couple of days, a week, a month, you will feel significantly better. 
Okay. Um, even if you just have to cognitively remind yourself that that is just a fact of life, that should help alleviate some um, pain in the moment uh, until you start to ease and then you will inevitably start to feel a little bit better, right? Uh, but also when you're feeling super, super good, I think it's important to recognize that this uh, is momentary and to embrace it and enjoy it. But as it starts to fall, as the dopamine perhaps starts to drop, um, that is okay, right? And just to not constantly chase the high, which I know I've done for too many years. Lesson 26 is that life should be enjoyed, not endured. We're all going to face tough times. We're all going to have problems and, and challenges that rear their way into our life. Okay, that is unavoidable. However, life on the whole should be enjoyed, right? It's all about brain chemistry. Like I've said a hundred times by now in this podcast series, uh, it's not about being a survivor and battling through and Fuck me, I've done that for too much of my life. And I wonder if some of you guys can relate. So it's not about changing this in the moment because it's very difficult to shift a lot of these things that have been hardwired over the years. Our natural tendency, our default state, our default mode network is what it's called, which is kind of like your base level of like your fulfillment, happiness, joy. Where do you kind of go to on a natural basis? A lot of people default to stress and anxiety. A lot of people default to um, concern and fatigue. Some people just default to feeling more calm and creative, which is awesome. So just to bring it all back, your life should be enjoyed and not endured. And if you find that you're enduring more than you're enjoying, enjoying your life, something needs to shift. So I encourage you to listen to more of this kind of content. Learn, study, upskill, and change your philosophy and ultimately change your skill and ultimately change your life. Hmm dare I say it. Lesson 27 is this. There are extenuating factors. So adjust. So what do I mean by that? I've said before on this show, I acknowledge that I speak very passionately and I believe very strongly in what I, uh, in my philosophies anyway. Okay. And I want to speak in a way that kind of delivers with enough energy. So you kind of at least consider them to adopt into your own philosophy. But don't for a second think that I don't respect extenuating circumstances, right? I know people have tough upbringings. They have parents, or maybe they don't have parents, or they have parents that are just horrible um, and have had a significant impact on their life and the way they think and the way they show up in the world. Um, people have lost friends and family. Like, people have had illnesses and, and physical impairments and all kinds of stuff. So all this stuff is very, very real, Okay. And I've learned that this, the everything's going to be okay approach in and of its by itself is not enough. And it's almost, almost naive to just rely on positive thinking, okay? My deepest fear is that this content as I start to share it is people put me in the basket of just positive thinking. It's not at all what's going on here, right? It's about being optimistic, sure, but it's also about just being very aware and realistic of what's actually going on and how to optimize for the best experience, Okay. So that's kind of the point I wanted to make there. It's just showing a level, level of respect. I know that there are factors at play, but your job is just to adjust. Like it's sort of that it's sort of that, it's that tango of respecting the situation of what's going on and you respecting your own situation, but also not falling victim to the okay, well I'm here now. Okay, no, that's that's not the identity you want what you want to have. You just want to pivot and adjust and tailor everything we talk about here to fit your world and then carry it out and execute accordingly. I hope that makes sense. Lesson 28, nature is your best friend. I spend a lot of time on my laptop and phone, as I suggested earlier, but nature, man, it does wonders. There's a lot of science behind it. I'll uh, dive into that on a later episode. But for now, guys, it's just a, a lesson that I've learned probably in the last 12 months primarily. 
to get out in nature, get your feet on the ground. There's something calming about it. There's a real science behind what it does. The whole idea of grounding, forest bathing. Yeah, I mean, I really want to get into the science of it, big, uh, but I don't want to speak out of tune because I just don't know enough about it right now. Um, but I don't want it to become too airy-fairy. Again, I don't want you just to write it off. I want you to explore it and spend time in nature, particularly at a time like this. I know there's restrictions to social distancing and things of that nature, but you can still go out for a walk um, at the very least. Uh, and where you can, take your shoes off. Walk at a park uh, on an oval. Um, yeah, spend time outdoors. Look at the stars before you go to bed. Things like that. Lesson 29, one of the surest fire ways to feel better fast is to help someone else and add some value. And I know you know this experience if you've done something kind for a friend, a lover, a family member. It just makes you feel good. So it's twofold, right? Obviously, they feel better. They receive a gift, a reward, something from you and improves their day. But the giver is more often than not the greater recipient in this exchange. So I encourage you to test this theory, test the experiment. As soon as you get off this podcast, even pause it right now and send a text to just someone, maybe a friend, a family, potentially someone you haven't spoken to in some time, just send them a kind message. It doesn't have to be over the top, right? Your personality is your personality, right? I'm never going to not... Well, I shouldn't say that, but I, I don't, I'm not intentionally changing the way that I communicate, so you don't have to do the same. However, just send a message to a friend thinking about you, hope you're doing well, how's things going with that project you're working on, how's the kids, whatever it might be. Just want to let you know I'm thinking of you and wishing you a good day. Do it and see how you feel. I'd love to know. And then 30, your daily environment is paramount to your happiness. Oh boy, is this true. I spent the last year and a half working from home. Um, it's been amazing. Had a lot of success with launching my business, my business. Uh, but it's had a real detrimental impact on, on my well-being, to be completely honest. Um, and I've had to make some adjustments, which has been challenging with this COVID situation. Fuck you, Rona. But yeah, look your environment has a massive impact. That's the people around you. It's the greenery and, and nature around you. It's the light around you during your work day. It's um, your experience first thing in the morning. It's your experience last thing at night. All these things have a dramatic impact. So tailor it to what's going to work for you. Everyone varies a little bit, but there are some, there are some things that are just going to be universally uh, beneficial to everyone. And part of that is human connection. So make sure you're speaking to humans throughout the day in some way, shape, or form. I think nature and greenery is huge. So if you do spend a lot of time indoors, have some plants and some like nice paintings to look at um, of like the ocean and, and things of that nature um, around you. And yeah, just really prioritize your environment. It's going to have a dramatic impact on how you feel, on your energy levels, how you show up in the world, your fulfillment, happiness, all that stuff. So hope that makes sense. And that really concludes episode three. I'm not sure how long we've gone for today, but that was the next uh, installment and the final installment from my life lessons by the age of 30. Uh, we've just looked at 15 of them there. I hope you got some value. If you did, what was your favorite one? What are you going to implement immediately? Um, hit me up. You can do so by sliding into my IG account at liamodonnell.ig. Maybe on YouTube if I post this. I don't know. Wherever you can connect with me. Um, shoot me an email. Send me a fucking pigeon mail. I'll write back. Pen pals. Whatever, whatever it takes. Let's stay connected. And I'll speak to you soon in episode four. And we'll start to mix things up a little bit. But I hope you got some value as always. Thanks for tuning into the Brain Tainment Podcast. Hasta luego. Buenas noches.